Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our, Our teaching team, team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to, to expand, expand in faith, faith hope, and love. hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because, because they, they anchor us in something, something which can, can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how can its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything but is thrown out and trampled underfoot you are the light of the world a city built on a hill cannot be hid People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Josh. I'm going to set everyone's mind at ease this morning on, <laughs> or it's just nerdy people like me who, I don't know, fuss about things. But on All Ages Sunday, we have, when we have combined awesome kids' activities and learning for all of us, you get a shorter sermon. So, in case you were looking at your watch and you were like, oh, Kara, I'm not going to be able to sit and listen to a long sermon at this stage. So you're getting shorter for me. Ooh, I love those lights. Can I, t oh, Junia, look at that. Freya, oh my gosh, I love those so much, you guys. I think maybe, you know what? Have those handy, and at, during the benediction, I'm going to invite everyone to hold up their lanterns if they made one, okay? Does that sound good? All right. So I'll start preaching a sermon. It's awesome to kind of still get wiggles out and move your body, so no worries at all. I'll just do some grown-up talking um, while you guys are finishing up. Josh, did you get your craft done? I noticed you were really wanting to get that. Okay, yeah, good. Well, good morning, good morning. It is good to be with you today to bring a message on this fifth Sunday of Epiphany. Our text is from Matthew 5, 13 through 20, as Allie taught us and as Josh read for us. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. And so let's take just a moment. If you haven't had a chance to kind of center your body, move a little bit, or stretch carefully if you need to, don't punch your neighbor as you stretch. Join me in kind of a moment of prayer. Gracious God, you have drawn us to this place today. Be among us. Nudge us towards your welcoming presence 
renew those of us with tired spirits. Remind us of your expansive love and goodness. Amen. We don't know for sure when the Gospel of Matthew was written, but we do know that Matthew had a particular audience in mind. Primarily to Jewish Christians who were living all throughout the Roman Empire. These believers were no longer in the synagogue, but they still were deeply rooted in Judaism. But at the same time, Gentiles are coming to faith in Jesus, and the writer of Matthew wants to help give them like a little bit of background and understanding about Jewish history and culture. So the writer here is writing to two worlds who are coming into this new community of faith with very different understanding of Judaism and Jesus as the fulfillment of the Torah. We can sometimes forget that Jesus preached as a teacher immersed within Jewish tradition and Jewish faith, but he upheld the law with great respect. He was there somebody who, as someone who was coming to reform it, not to tear it down. Jesus' words are actually quite direct in this passage, and I'll just say that this passage has so much like expansive goodness in it, we're going to focus in like, and kind of like weird questions in it too. We're going to focus on kind of just the one, one portion of it today for our time together. But Jesus came not to tear down the law of Moses, but to fulfill it. Because keeping the Torah isn't the problem here. The problem is when the law gets turned into just a checklist of behaviors that you need to do in order to gain favor with God. In Matthew's gospel, however, Jesus takes the whole of the law or the heart of the law And he combines that with an emphasis on discipleship. Discipleship is a big, fancy word, essentially meaning, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And says that the kingdom of God is made manifest where we seek God's justice and where we care about the welfare of others. What a difference the larger global Christian church experience would be if we spent less time in that sin management and more time focusing on living out an ethic of love, where our discipleship is marked by rooting our identity in Jesus and extending love to ourselves and to others as a result. But before I jump too far ahead, let's just consider again that imagery of salt and light from our text today, keeping in mind some of this context um, from our gospel writer and their audience. So Jesus uses, of course, these very tangible images that his audience could connect to. Salt and light, fundamental components of everyday life together. Have you ever had a meal that was super unseasoned? Maybe bland and disappointing, inedible? (laughs) Those scones, those chocolate scones maybe? It's extra annoying if you paid good money for that. On Thursday, my friend Rebecca here told me that she had had a, and she said it was okay for me to share this, she had had a terrible Chipotle experience. She did not know that I was talking about salt today, but said I could say this. She said that the rice was so disappointing. It was like it had not been seasoned at all. And she's hopeful that she could maybe salvage it the next day, but it wasn't edible today. Rebecca, did you have any luck? I did. Okay, good. You jazzed it up. Awesome. And some hot sauce, all right? Yeah, Jesus didn't talk about the hot sauce part. That's a bummer. So here's a low-stakes all-play. What's, what's one of the most delicious things that you've ever eaten? And I'll give you a moment, because sometimes we got to... But what's, a, what's one of the most delicious meals or things that you've ever eaten? 
Dave, you're getting bonus points because that also means I'll bring more of that cake on Tuesday. So <laughs> Dave just said, for those of you who are watching on video, the almond cake that I made that I brought to um, our narrative circle. Um, <clears throat> oh, that is such delicious cake. I know that I'm the one that made it, but it's real tasty. Yeah, Freya, what? Oh, Freya also seconds the almond cake. Okay. <laughs> Let's all cheer for me. What? Oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Joe Tim's brisket. Ooh, I've only had that a couple of times, and it is like so good, so good. Thanks, Will. Shout out to Joe Tim and his amazing brisket. Uh, fried plantains from Brasa. Fried plantains from Brasa, Will. The dip. Oh, the dip, the cream dip. Ooh, fre fresh caught lobster tails and shrimp grilled. I'm feeling, if I can remember back to some pictures, that might have been a recent meal, right? <laughs> on an amazing vacation that Pam and Will went on. Yeah. Now I've made us really hungry, so I don't know. Sorry about that, friends, but the donuts, the donuts yeah, there will be donuts. Most of us know that salt is an important part of our food, of our life, of our preservation of food. It's an important part of movie theater popcorn. And similarly with light. Light drives away those shadows that linger when we run up the stairs from the basement, right? I can't be the only grown-up that still runs up the stairs. Anybody else? I know Freya does. Yeah, Allie, okay, yeah. I run up the stairs like I am still eight years old and something is in the basement. Light illuminates our path and we wouldn't think of putting a lit candle under a cover, right? To snuff it out or, I guess, to, to burn things down. You know, you know I love a good Greek verb translation, and the you in verses 13 and 14 translates not as an individual you, but as a collective y'all. The communal message from Jesus to his disciples and eventually to us is that we are all salt and light. No singular individual embodies salt and light as if only a few of us are recipients. But instead, the full community exemplifies what is salty and what is light-bearing in the world. Salt has a purpose to flavor God's work in the world. Light has a purpose to illuminate God's work in the world. In Isaiah 42, 6, God says, I, have, I the Lord, have called you for a good reason. I will grasp your hand and guard you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. As salt and light, we are signs to others of God's goodness and love. So Jesus was giving his followers a new way to encounter the world. Many of them lived within a religious system that required obeying a list of rules with a focus on the eschatological future or the life that's beyond this one. Jesus was teaching that God's kingdom had come into the present and that they had a role to play in it now. It wasn't just about being good for the life that was to come. They were salt and light in the here and now. And Jesus' ministry reminds all of his followers that it's not about following the letter of the law, but the spirit, the heart of it. And Jesus tells us that the law for us is reflected in how we love others and ourselves. So we filter our, our actions, our lives, through that lens, are we radiating God's kingdom through acts of love and service? Are we seasoning the world and God's kingdom with a bend towards justice and restoration? 
Which leads me to two, two questions I want to pose to you this morning. Who are you, and what difference does your identity make to the world around you? The first asks us our identity, and it can be so easy to feel small or inconsequential or powerless in the world. The challenges of our world sometimes feel so daunting. We might feel unprepared or unqualified, and we might have had labels kind of unfairly put upon us in a myriad of ways by people that we wanted to trust, a parent, a teacher, a pastor, a partner, a friend. Those labels, those identities can be so difficult to shake, and sometimes they form the very core of who we are, even as we gain time and distance from them. Someone I love was told repeatedly through their childhood that they were difficult or that they had anger problems. And even as an adult, they find it difficult not to let those labels seep into everything um, that they engage with in the world. They often are asking themselves, am I too much? Can I trust my responses and my feelings? Am I worthy of love? Some of us were raised in faith traditions that told us we were wretched sinners in the hands of an angry God or at least some version of that. And it left us in a spiritual wake of shame and disappointment and disconnection with God. Whether you had a life free of the baggage I just described, or maybe you're still learning how to undo those enmeshed threads of a lifetime of painful labels, I want to invite you to consider this text as a blessing over all of us. Jesus isn't saying, if you pull yourself together and act a certain way, then you are mine. Or once you do this, then you will belong. Instead, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We are named by Jesus as image bearers of the divine. Our identity instead can be rooted in the creator of all there is the God who was and is and is to come. And may that be the balm to our spirits today. And our second question, what difference does your life make, does your identity make in the world? I like to use the phrase gift and task as much as possible. And it reminds me of our identities in faith. We are recipients of a great gift. As image bearers of the divine, our invitation is a great one. We are welcomed into community with our creator and with all of creation. And with it, we get a task. Not in order to secure the gift, but as an outpouring of the gift. And does our task impact the world around us? Are we moving through our lives focused on exhibiting that ethic of love? Are we caring about the welfare of others? Are we working to alleviate suffering where we can? Are we tearing down barriers that keep humanity from flourishing? Lest we think that we are too small to make a difference, even the slightest pinch of salt can change a bland dish to something extraordinary. Even the tiniest, tiniest flame brings light and warmth to those in our midst. Whether you are a child or middle-aged or 100 years old, you are God's beloved. And your only task is to notice where God is working and to join in. I'm heading to every meal this Thursday to pack lunch bags for kids in the metro. Definitely talk to me if you want to join us. 
that I'm not going to get some kind of jewel in my crown someday or like a spiritual high five from God. I just happen to firmly believe that God wants kids to have enough food. God is working there and I want to be part of that this week. So I'll bring my own saltiness, my own light, and I get to be a part of what God is doing in the world, helping to make it a little more seasoned and a little more brightly lit. And so the invitation is for all of us to do the same. Know who you are in Jesus. Notice what God is bringing to the world and bring your salty and light-bearing self to the world. And in doing so, we follow Jesus, experience the kingdom of God in our midst, and live our identity as beloved. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If If you you find find yourself yourself nearby nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you have have any any questions questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.